We always want to acknowledge your presence in our midst and give you authority to take over this service, Lord. Do what you want to do here. We invite you in, Holy Spirit. Help us to understand what you want us to understand in today's message. And we bless you and we praise you and we thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So God is good. Miss Gabby got her prayer shawl on. <laughs> you praying, Gab? <laughs> praise the Lord. I saw on YouTube where Donald Trump received a prayer shawl from Bishop Wayne Jackson yesterday. And we had prayed. Amen. So everything was peaceful. Amen. I heard some of the ministers in the city led the protests outside. I said, Lord, have mercy. So anyway, we, we, we need to really pray about things, folks. I'm, I'm not inclined to want to jump out and get in front of a, a march of people. Usually the preacher is the first one they pop in the head or shoot in the arm or something like that, you know, or shoot you dead. So, uh, you know, you, you just have to do what God says to do. But uh, sometimes it's good to be a person of peace and stay in your closet and pray. <laughs> stay in your closet and pray. And uh, there are people who are called to do that kind of stuff, but, you know, they're few and far between, I've found, in the church. Most of what we do is done in the throne room of grace. That's where the real power is, you know. That's where the real power is. But we're very thankful for a peaceful day for them and thankful that the house of God was respected, you know. And, and uh, so that, that was just really, really good. So, so anyway, we're thankful for answers to prayer. So today we're going to talk some about the story of salvation. I'll talk to you. Amen. We talk about salvation from a biblical perspective because there's a lot in the Bible about salvation. Uh, if you relate it to some of the familiar Bible stories that we know. And uh, everything in the Bible points to Jesus, the Messiah. Of course, you know that. But you need to understand that salvation has always been a person, not an event. And it's always a person, not an event, because the nation of Israel soon found that if they didn't change who they were or couldn't somehow change uh, their nature or change their inclinations, their natural inclinations, they could not prosper and serve God. So it's impossible to serve him by the flesh. The Bible says the carnal man is the enemy of God. And your carnal mind can't really understand the things of God, can't understand the things of the Spirit. So you must be born again in order to receive uh, the Spirit of God and receive the ability to obey the laws of God. When you obey the laws of God, you live forever. You know, why wouldn't he want you to live forever if you're being obedient to him? When you obey God, you're an asset in the earth. Amen. Not a liability. Yeah. So you're an asset to God. So God has told us from the beginning of the Bible about a day when a redeemer would come and save us. In fact, right after man disobeyed, God showed up and promised a redeemer to bring him back to him. That's how great God's love is for us. Instead of allowing Adam and Eve to wander around for a period of time not knowing if anything and not living in promise. And this is the, the thing that we need as human beings. God says that he knows the thoughts he has toward us. He thoughts of, of, of an expected end to do us good and not harm. Amen. To give us hope 
and expectation. And so without hope, there's life is really very pointless. Amen. It's very pointless if we don't have hope. And so hope was instilled in man immediately after he disobeyed. Isn't that wonderful? Even the best parent would leave you to hang out the drive for at least, you know, if you get in big trouble, they let you stay in jail at least one overnight. Can I get a witness? Nah, don't, don't. Everybody in here be holding their hands up. They're like, some of y'all have both hands up. Just for old time's sake, right? But God, being a faithful creator, he doesn't, he knows you learn more through love than you do through, huh? And he knows how to give love the right way. So this is one thing natural people, you know, your parents aren't real sure. They, if they do too much, they spoil you. You won't get up and learn how to do nothing. There's always this big controversy mentally about how to hand out discipline. But see, God, because he's holy, he's perfect in everything he does, so it's going to work out. You got me? He can do whatever he wants to do, and it's going to work out. But God wanted to leave us that example of his extreme mercy and his great love for us and immediately showing them the way back. And the way back was through the blood atonement. And they promised a son there would be a man who would come. And would rescue them. So salvation was a man. It was a person. It was never an event and a thing. If you get saved. And you don't receive the man Christ Jesus dwelling on the inside of you. You ain't saved. You just prayed a prayer. Joined a church. Joined a club. Huh? Didn't want to be left out. It's almost like gang mentality in some churches. You just got to belong. Everybody wants to belong. And when... When I say the name of my church, everybody looks at me, you know. Say the name of Jesus. There's power there, always power there. Amen. From the beginning of time, there's been power in that name. So in 2 Corinthians 6-2, we see where the writer talks about a time of salvation. Amen. A time of salvation. Remember, Jesus came and he preached certain things second corinthians chapter six and verse two i'm reading from the is this a niv i wanted to use this one today because it's just easier sometimes at one verse one and God's co work as God's co workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. He says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. So the King James says, Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. So this we are living in an era of the salvation of the Lord. It is the acceptable year of the Lord. It is the year. When they talked about acceptable year, you know what that referred to? It was a year of Jubilee. Amen. The acceptable year. 
This is the year when everybody receives fairness, justice, mercy. Amen. I guess maybe I shouldn't use the word justice. (laughs) Lawbreakers don't like that word. But mercy, everybody likes that. Amen. So when Jesus said, today is a day of salvation, remember he got up and read the scripture from Isaiah. And he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, bind up the brokenhearted, uh, to heal the brokenhearted, bind up their wounds, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, amen, and the day of vengeance of our God, amen. So when your year is acceptable, and God is the God of vengeance, that means you don't have to worry about anything being left out of what you've got coming to you. Amen. He's going to repay everything. He's going to settle up all, all accounts. And this will be a day, a year of great favor and blessing and great mercy for you in your life because your God will abundantly pardon. Amen. So when he said today is a day of salvation, now is the appointed time. The Jew was reminded of stories that were handed down to them about different individuals who had received their personal jubilee, had received their salvation. So when they would think back, they think, oh, yeah, Joseph getting out of prison and having everything restored to him. Hannah finally having a son and wasn't picked at by the, the the fertile wife anymore amen sarah who finally had isaac and was able to hold her head up and be a woman of dignity all of that kind of stuff so when they thought messiah they thought deliverance of those that they had grown uh, grown up hearing about who were part of their their tribe and so when jesus says today is the day of salvation now is the appointed time The average Jew is reminded of different of the patriarchs and different of the people in the Bible who had received their deliverance. And they looked forward to it because they knew for certainty that God was no respecter of persons. What he would do for one, he would do for all. And they looked forward, amen, to the coming of the Messiah. So there are many uh, received the promised deliverance because these stories allowed them to hold hope in their hearts. That when Messiah came, the days of these Bible heroes would return. So they knew that there was coming. That was their hope. Uh, 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 they call they call the Messiah the hope of Israel or Tikvat Israel was what the Messiah was referred to as. And he was Israel's hope. And he is our hope as well. He is the hope of all of humanity. In Leviticus chapter 25, I want to turn there and show you what the year of Jubilee was. There was a, a seventh year was a Sabbath. Every seventh year was a Sabbath year. But seven times seven years was the year of Jubilee. And there were certain things that were common about that year as the Jews observed it. Now, uh, when the Jew was not serving God, Jubilee came and went and nobody observed it. But when they were obedient to God, they could look forward to this, which means that they could know of a time of release within their lifetime. Isn't that something? If you live 50 years, if you live to be 49, you saw a jubilee. 
if you lived a little bit longer, but if you live 50 years, you got to see a jubilee year in your life. We have a jubilee year all the time. Amen. Ours is all the time. So in the year of jubilee, God says this. He says, I'll start in verse 1. I guess I might as well. The Lord said to Moses, command the Israelites to bring you oil. Let me think. 40. Oh, I'm sorry, 25. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land, I'm going to give you. That land refers to your salvation. Salvation is a person, but he brings with him certain things. Okay? He brings with him certain things. Now, Jesus ain't like these brothers y'all just be running into and chasing down and stuff. Let me just say this while I'm on the subject. How I got here, I don't know, and I don't even know what subject I'm talking about, but I'm going to throw it in anyway. Women, don't overpromise. It just is so non-Hebrew. Don't be promising some man when we get married. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. Listen to Baba. You ain't doing nothing. You got me. I'm gonna go get my nails done. I'm gonna get my hair done. If the ovaries hold out, we might have a couple of kids. You understand what I'm saying? Don't be promising them no roof over there. Am I telling them right, Poppy? Who's back there? Oh, look who's back there. Dan, well, fancy meeting you back on the camera. Am I telling them right, Dan? <laughs> He's so confused. He said, I don't know what she said, but I'm going to say, yeah. Uh Young son is holding it up back there pretty good, Poppy. But you might need some help in a minute, okay? When I get in. But just saying, I let your marriage be your jubilee. Uh, if anybody get two jobs, let that brother get two. Am I telling them right, Gigi? Huh? Seriously. Whose name on the lease is? Oh, I got no resistance. I heard that. I got my own. Now when you get married, you don't. You let that brother fund everything. You got me? Huh? You get stuck with no stuff like that. That's just so totally non-heeb. I'm telling you. It's so non-heeb. When they ask you what religion you are, tell them, I'm no, I'm not no church girl. I'm Hebrew. If your mother asks what's for dinner, I say reservations. You understand? 
<laughs> what you making for dinner? Reservations. <laughs> we cook when you a good boy. Naughty or nice, naughty or nice. How you doing over there, brother? You don't <laughs> I forgot forgot we had a visitor. <laughs> okay. I'll get back to the word. Anyway. <laughs> but the year of Jubilee, man, comes into God's order. And that's what I want you to understand what God's order is. Women, just because you can don't mean you should. We can all do a lot of stuff. Huh? And ain't nobody around. I lift 50 pound boxes, but when somebody's around, I <laughs> not get stupid here okay all right where are we where are we 25 <laughs> okay all right so the seventh year the land is to have a year of a sabbath rest a sabbath to the lord what does that mean that's an offering you make to god you rest is an offering to god Woo! <laughs> I just preach seven days on it. Huh? Yes. I'm honoring God. Ain't doing nothing right now. <laughs> Woo! But it was a year of total faith. You had to believe God for stuff. You know, that'll cure this workaholic thing that people get on them sometimes. Where they can't stop working because they just, just feel so driven. It's never enough money, never enough security, never, 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 never. Huh? I lived like that for a while. My husband and I, even when we were on vacation, we were driven. Let's have a good time. You know? It gets on you. When God created the man on the sixth day and he rested on the seventh, he did it to have companionship in his rest. Y'all were supposed to rest together with God. You don't go somewhere apart from God and think you're resting. Are you kidding me? That's why people are so driven and wound up all the time. Can't sit down, can't go to sleep, can't do this, can't do that. They know how to rest with the Lord. You rest with him. If you don't, you'll be restless. Uh, that won't be a rest to you. That's just some time off you took and it jacked up your credit card trying to, you know, get room service every five minutes. It's true. So he says here, in the seventh year, the land is to have a seventh Sabbath year of rest to the Lord. Don't sow your fields. Or prune your vineyards. Now I know some people, you would have to give them a tranquilizer every day to make them do that. Them gotta, 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 gotta work people. Huh? Just slap them and keep them doped up, time down. It's for their own good. We're obeying the word here, folks. And he says your land is to have a year of rest. The land gets exhausted from people doing stuff. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be your food. <gasps> what do you mean I can't? <laughs> I got to trust God for stuff? 
Uh, yeah. If God didn't show up, you couldn't get air to wake up in the morning. Are you kidding me? You trusted him anyway, whether you know it or not. And he says, it'll be food for you, yourself, your male and female servants. In other words, you don't have to hoard food and hide it from nobody. There'll be enough for everybody. As well as your livestock, wild animals, everybody will give. Why? Because God's providing. This was a guarantee that people would trust God for provision. Their guarantee was the year, was that, that uh, Sabbath year. So a guarantee God's provision and guarantee people learned how to trust God. Huh? And he says, <clears throat> count off seven Sabbaths, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sound everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month. Now Jesus is the Sabbath, or he is a jubilee. Who was the trumpet? Come on, y'all. John the Baptist. The prophet is always the trumpet. Hello, loud mouth in the house. Don't quit talking for nobody. Huh? The trumpet sounded everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the fiftieth year. Consider it holy. Don't nobody get up work. Don't nobody do nothing. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and your own clan. All the bankruptcies is over, okay? Go get your stuff back. All the jacked up credit people, you're free. Get a new start. It says, the 50 of years shall be a jubilee for you. Don't sow or reap what grows of itself or harvest the intended vines. For it is a jubilee and it and is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. In this year of jubilee, everyone is to return to their own property. I don't care who's on it. They got to go. Go get your stuff. Huh? But they didn't tow it all up. It's yours. Go get it. This is the problem that we have, folks, judging God's provision. Don't ever judge what God provides for you. Receive it with a grateful heart, with a thankful heart. I don't care if the tenants has been on it all this time and messed it up or what. What could they do to land? You understand? But improve it. He says... It's for everyone to return his own property. Verse 14, if you sell land to any of your own people or buy land from them, don't take advantage of each other. Don't jack it up because your bro is a heeb and he got as much more money than you do. Don't jack up the price on him. You are to buy from your own people on the basis of the number of years since the Jubilee and they are to sell to you on the basis of the number of the years left for harvesting crops. So there was a, a money exchange or a monetary exchange when you went back to your own land. You understand what I'm saying? But you were there to possess it. Why? It's very important to God that you possess the inheritance he assigns to you. 
It's very important. These things are assigned to us by God, and to not possess them is an insult to him. You got me? You will never prosper coveting what belongs to another. You will never prosper with an ungrateful heart. You will never prosper wanting more, more, more than what's assigned to you. It just won't happen. So God is teaching people to be faithful over their inheritance. And he is teaching them to receive what's assigned to them with thanksgiving. He says, don't take advantage of each other, but fear your God, for I am the Lord. That's verse 17. Follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws. You will dwell safely in the land. Then the land will yield its fruit. You will eat to the fill and live there safely. You may ask, what are we going to eat in the Sabbath year if we don't plant or harvest crops? God has an answer. In the sixth year, the harvest is going to be so big. So this really was the sign that the year of Jubilee was on its way. They got a humongous big crop the year before, and everybody looked at it and said, oh, that's God's Jubilee's coming. They got excited about it when they saw that ample crop. He said, I'll cause it to produce twice as much in the year preceding Jubilee. He don't want you to worry about how you're going to eat, sleep, or what you're going to wear. Never has, never will. He says, and if one of you, uh, throughout the land, in the seventh year, where was that, verse 18? says, and when you plant during the eighth year, you will eat from the old crop and continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. I'm giving you a year off. Some people don't know how to receive it, though. He said, the land must not be sold permanently. In other words, whatever deed has had your name on it, you can go get it. It's still yours. Huh? It's still yours. He says, anyone who, if, 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 he says here, if, however, there is no one to redeem it for them, but later on they prosper and acquire sufficient means to redeem it themselves, they are to determine the value for the years since they sold it, etc., etc. So God gives them clear instruction about how to manage property, how to make sure it stays within the family possession. Verse 35, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among them, help them as you would a foreigner and stranger so they can continue to live among you. God doesn't want to dispossess anybody. Don't take interest or any profit for them, but fear God so that they may continue to live among you. So the important thing for God is for everybody to maintain their inheritance, nobody to be disinherited. If there's a loss of something, it's only temporary. When Jesus is your jubilee, he lets you know when stuff is coming back to you. I don't care how long that stuff has been gone and who took it. God is serious about that. So, the things that came to them during the year of Jubilee, we just read, return of property and family, restoration of all things. So it's property and family. Everything would be fair and just. 
nobody gets taken advantage of. So there's justice for people who feel that they don't have anybody to speak up for them. People who are by themselves. People who are alone. There's safety for the obedient. The year before is a bumper crop year and signals the start of Jubilee. And poverty ends in Jubilee. Amen. It's over as far as poverty is concerned. So these are the things that Jesus brought to the land of Israel, to the people, to the nation of Israel, and to all humanity, to all who would believe on him. He brought Jubilee with them. Jubilee is a person, the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us. He is our Jubilee. He is the one who causes us to prosper and to triumph in all things. And because of the shed blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Jubilee comes to all humanity, everybody who will believe. Just believe God. Just believe God. So there are several people in the Bible we can talk about. I thought, why don't we start with Joseph? Because I just like his story and I like the fact that his Jubilee was due him. Uh, even though Joseph was kind of a controversial character, he starts out uh, being somebody that everybody in the family turned against. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been that way, <laughs> but <laughs> some of us come close. <laughs> uh, if it wasn't for pudding, you'd probably be the worst one, but they worse than you are. huh? At least I ain't done no time yet because you ain't been caught. Genesis 39 we see where Joseph is taken down to Egypt now until this time Joseph had dwelled with his family and uh, he was and they were in Canaan you know the land the the land the promised land of the of the Israelite whenever you live in a place that is your home you you have a longing for home always. It's familiar to you. It's comfortable to you. You have good memories. You may have some bad memories, but you have good and bad. And so everybody longs for their home. To be dispossessed is really a hard thing on people. And so Joseph, because he was favored by his father, you know, sometimes parents can unwittingly or inadvertently set their children up for certain things. Uh, and then, you know, the other kids hear anything you say. And I know all parents go through this. They like you, like them better than you like me. Huh? All parents get accused of that. Uh, in this case, though, Jacob did love those boys better. He loved their mother. Uh, the other wives were just secondary, you know. I mean, that's that's why God tells you to have one wife. Because you usually only can love one. Daniel, look at me. <laughs> He's looking real bored back there. <laughs> Praise God. Because <laughs> you can usually only love one person. You don't love a whole bunch of people. You're just collecting stuff. Uh, you know, collectors never love anybody but themselves. They don't let people get into their hearts. So, you know, it's, it's always keep you at a distance. God forbid I really love anybody. Huh? I'm the player from the <laughs> Himalaya. Huh? Huh. Right. 
Anytime the hunter gets captured by the game. Oopsie, wrong, wrong meeting. Sorry about that. But it happens to everybody. You understand me? Joseph was a player from the Himalayas. Huh? <laughs> now, who was his wife that he loved? I forget. Was it Rebecca or was it? I forget. He had so many of them. But anyway, which one was it? Rachel. Okay, it was Rachel. And so he really loved her and he loved their children. Two boys out of 12 he really loved. And Joseph was the oldest of the two boys by Rachel. And so he was able to show him favor by making him a coat. Coat represented status. And boy, his brothers hated that. Any time a parent elevates a child in status, and some of your child children will be different in their accomplishments. You know, they'll be different, but parents really have to be wise and, and learn ways to encourage all of them. You understand what I'm saying? And make them all know that they're loved and important. And I think they all are to a degree. But some kids do stand out sometimes, you know, and so the ones that are around need to feel important so they know how to encourage those children. But but it wasn't that way in this household. And so Joseph came along in a household where he was despised because he was favored and his younger brother Benjamin was also favored by his dad. And he was despised of his family, yet he was called of God. So you can't dispute the calling on a person's life just because you don't like them. Or they got goofy ways that turn you off or you don't, you know, you don't understand them or, you know, maybe they may start out struggling a little bit, you know, but we're all called of God, really. If they're in the household of faith, we're all valuable to God. You know, some of us have developed quickly and some of us a little slow getting going. Amen. But we all develop. Amen. Some of us are not without our difficulties and our struggles and our challenges and our troubles. But we are all valuable, extremely valuable to God. And so Joseph then was given a dream by God where his brothers began to bow to him. He was depicted as a sheaf of wheat, a large one. And there were smaller sheaves around him bowing to him, representing his brothers. He is smart enough to know how to interpret things. And his dad, then he had another one where the dad and the mom were bowing to him, or the dad was parents were bowing to him. And so the dad got ticked off at him then when he said, what do you mean? I'm going to bow to you. You're my kid. Shut up. Go down somewhere and sit down. There wasn't enough wisdom in that house. You know, it's nice when you can serve God and you can get answers to spiritual challenges because anybody who could have given that family a good answer for what this boy was perceiving in the spirit would have been able to settle things down. Nowadays, people don't get upset when somebody says they're called to preach or something like that because we all are. You understand what I'm saying? And so you usually don't get any real special treatment just because you're called as a preacher. <clears throat> Amen. And they look at you funny. I'm mm, glad he didn't call me. Whatever. <laughs> so, so Joseph then gets 
abducted by his brothers. They just can't stand him anymore. Sick of him. Got that coat on. Here he comes again, that dreamer. Can't stand him. The older boys are more threatened because they have an inheritance issue that might come into question. See, when there's something that they feel one can take from the other, then there's a real challenge there. And so they wanted to dispose of Joseph. They wanted to kill him. But the older brother decided not to and went ahead and had him thrown into a pit. And later they came back and got him and sold him uh, to some men who were on their way down to Egypt. And that's where Joseph wound up. What they did also was took that coat that they couldn't stand and smeared animal blood on it to make it look like he had been eaten up. Sometimes your status will be your demise. You got me? It'll cause your demise. People hate wealthy people. They hate intelligent people. They hate accomplished people. Huh? They hate bums, but not as much. Huh? Because we always feel good when we can give somebody who don't have nothing a couple dollars. So we keep them around, not because we love them, but because they make us feel better about us. Huh? <laughs> People can be really wicked sometimes. <laughs> we don't watch ourselves. We, we can be something else. So then Joseph is sold to a man by the name of Potiphar who lives in Egypt. And Potiphar uh, allows Joseph to be trained how to be his household manager. Uh, he has servants under him and he has to make sure that household produces and that it's run efficiently and smoothly. How many of you know gifted people can do a lot of things? And oftentimes they can do a lot of things well. Some people tend to um, be more, I guess you could say, self, um, maybe self-motivating uh, as far as keeping themselves busy is concerned. And oftentimes accomplished people aren't really looking for you know, like people who look at that from the outside and admire it want, you know, the status or, you know, whatever that comes with that. People who are accomplished aren't motivated by that because that won't get you up in the morning. You understand? Well, if you have something else going on on the inside of you that's going to get you up and get you working other than people looking at you and saying how wonderful it is. So accomplished people are really self-motivated people. And I think many times they're God-motivated people too. Because accomplished people hate wasting ability, talent, energy, youth, all of that stuff that we can have going for us in life. And they see not using it as waste. And so they're kind of driven and motivated internally by the desire to see things be used the way they're supposed to be used and not wasted. That's why they stay busy with stuff. That's why they're interested in stuff all the time. They want to perfect things. They want to see how far their gift will take them, how much they can max it out in pursuit of what it can accomplish on the earth. So it's good. If you've got people around you who like to accomplish, it's good to encourage that. No, don't try to chop it off and make them feel inadequate or tell them they can't do this or can't do that. 
you know, some of the times that I wasted in life was listening to people that tried to tell me I couldn't do it, you know. So I had to realize that, that they couldn't, but I could. You understand? <laughs> like, you do what you want to do with your stuff. Which most of them did very little when you think about it, but they were always trying to, uh, to discourage you and motivate you. I remember talking to somebody, I think it was my husband, we weren't married at the time, shouldn't have listened. Had no reason to be listening to somebody you ain't married to. But I was planning my college courses to finish nursing school, and I was writing down the, the courses that you could challenge by an exam, some of maybe up to 40%. I had written down everything because I'd getting out of there. I'd care if I didn't pass. I'd go in there and cry and look over, see if I can get some more answers. But I was going to get out of there. You understand what I mean? And I wasn't going to kill anybody, all right? I was a good news. I murdered nobody. Well, let me see. None of the charges ever stuck. But uh, I was going to do it. And Aubrey said, you just can't go up there and take a test and get all of that erased off of there. I won't say, well, you ain't never done it, but I can. And I started looking at it. I said, well, maybe I should take some of this stuff. You doubt. And then when I got in the class, I was so bored. I'm like, oh, why did I take this? Because you already know what the deal is when you walk in there. They give you a syllabus and you look and you say, I think I can do that. <laughs> Tonight, as a matter of fact, get it over with. And I tortured myself because of allowing somebody so seeds of doubt, huh? Seeds of doubt. So praise God. But if you're a person that's competent, God gave that to you for a reason, huh? The best way to be be at peace with it is to go to God and let God show you what he wants you to do with what he's placed on the inside of you. Your abilities, your gifts, your talents are a blessing to the earth. And God wants them to be used for his glory. So you're never, uh, you know, you're never trying to do be more than who you really are. You know, if you can do these things, just go do them, you know, and let's move it on. So then Joseph winds up in Potiphar's house and he does everything and he does it with excellence God's spirit has taught him how to do things he's been in grown up in a Hebrew household sometimes in a Christian household you you can do a lot of things you know you, you look at the Duggar children and the mother teaches them you're thinking huh really yeah, you just get under God and see what he shows you you can do and go ahead and do that. So it's not, it's not that it's impossible. I think if, if more of us would stay more in the mind of God about things, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and I'm not talking about these greatness sermons everybody's preaching. You understand what's, come on now. Maybe I ain't feeling great today. Maybe I'm feeling like if I can get my bills paid, that would be great. You understand what I'm saying? We'll take one small step and one small step till we get great. You understand what I'm saying? But don't, don't give me this leap into greatness nonsense. Understand what I'm saying? You don't even know what it is yourself. Huh? They don't. Try to sell you a bill of goods and sell some more books, but they ain't great either. 
many of the people who are selling great things are doing it because they're dealing with people who don't feel they can do much. So they'll just sell you some great books and make some great money off of it, but nobody in this joint is great. Amen. I consider great being able to heal the sick and raise the dead, cast out lepers, cleanse people, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's just my definition. I don't know what theirs is. So anyway, Joseph winds up, you know, in Potiphar's house, and he is a servant of Potiphar's, servant of the household. How many of you know when people were servants, they were slaves? And they were not really uh, allowed to say no to the master, to determine their own destiny. They had to say yes to everything. Or they could be whipped, cast out, murdered, whatever. They could be dis, you know, disallowed in the household. Their fate was very, very negative if they ever refused anything. Well, here's Potiphar's wife. Potiphar goes on these long trips leaves Joseph in charge of the household, and here's Potiphar's wife hitting on him all the time. Now, she may have done that with all of the male servants in the household. Don't be so shocked. Grow up, everybody. That's why she was so eager to invite Joseph in. I know he was cute and fine as well and all that. You know, in our imaginations, we think that stuff, but he just might have been available. You understand what I'm saying? Some that's life. That's the life of a slave, folks. They have no rights. They have no rights to say no to anything. But somehow Joseph remembers his God. And he remembers there's a godly standard on the inside of him that says you don't do that. You don't covet another man's wife or his goods. He was faithful over Potiphar's goods because Potiphar at one point he said, well, I can't find anything missing. Don't even show me the books anymore. You just keep running everything. huh?" And so when Potiphar's wife starts hitting on Joseph and trying to make a play for him, And she's a woman because she's a wealthy woman. You don't refuse her. And she decides to keep pursuing him just because he said no. Huh? See, that's the day you go downtown and get your restraining order. If she left anything, you pack it up and you put it outside the dough. You cut all ties, men, because they let too many women push their yes on them, and they really want to say no. You got me? And should say no. Some things are not for you. I don't care who tells you, you know, well, we going to do this and we going to do that. You come on in, move in with me, and I'll take care of all the bills. Hmm? Gonna take, she can't take care of herself or she wouldn't be begging you to move in huh she'd wait for you to offer a ring huh if she don't want no ring you don't want her 
But see, to show you how special you are, the next guy who comes in will get the same offer. Uh, move on in with me. Uh, don't we got a prayer for that? I work, I wear my own clothes, eat my own food, just give me a ring to take away my reproach. Huh? So when I go in the coffee room, I can tell, say, oh yeah, I'm married. Then next year, I have a no good thing, I had to put him out. Huh? That's married in name only. But she got your name on everything now. So Joseph was falsely accused and thrown into prison. Um, thrown into prison and stayed there for quite a while. He had been a very prominent man in Potiphar's house. And I'm sure he might have run into people who used to know him back in the day. <laughs> down in the joint. You understand what I'm saying? So he has to go through this public humiliation. False accusation. He's in prison back. If he was living in this day, he'd have to register somewhere as a sex offender. Got me? Whenever he got out. So his reputation is shot forever. And so he has to endure this false accusation, and yet he's called of God to do great things. So when is my greatness going to come? Huh? (laughs) Joseph really just wants to survive. Uh, so he starts out despised by his family yet called of God he's in prison now by false accusation but in all this Joseph managed to maintain his integrity though he was tried and tempted to do evil he held on to God why would somebody who's in prison falsely accused and all of these things still maintain his integrity. Now, we know he maintained his integrity because God still used him. You got me? You have to maintain at least some integrity for the gifts of the Spirit to work in you. They don't work in carnal people. You understand what I'm saying? Some people just know how to yield to the Lord and yield to that Spirit. And they, they know how to connect with God. And so Joseph found that as he was in prison some of his old gifts began to come back. Number one, the gift of dream interpretation. So this is the gift that got him in all the trouble. It left him when the gift of administration came into his life. You see no evidence when he was managing Potiphar's household that he had dreams nor interpreted them. That shows you that the gifts of God belong to God. He'll mess your head up trying to build yourself as a this or a that based on a gift. Huh? You'll get somewhere and it ain't working right. Huh? You can just mess around long enough and try to take credit for something. <laughs> God. <laughs> God gives you. <laughs> oh, everybody's going to get a word tonight. Really? Oh. I mean, I'm not saying they won't, but that's not your call. See, it's God's call. Suppose he ain't feeling real wordy tonight. Who are you going to call on then? Joseph 
And this is typical of gifts of God when you're in training. They will rest on your life for a while and then they will lift and then he will let another gift rest on your life. Discipline, training. Uh, He don't want one trick ponies out there. I see many people get one gift and get carried away with and get all excited about it. Oh, I can do this, I can do that. Oh, really? They still belong to God. And really demand for gifts is more dependent upon people in need than it is on the minister that's doing the ministry. I've been in meetings where we gave everybody a prophecy and I didn't like being put under pressure. I mean, I'll do it if God says do it. And most times he does have a word for people. But I didn't like the way that felt to me for some reason. Some people really flow like that and that's who they are. But then there are other times people will will feel like, "Mm, you know what, that's good there. But it doesn't feel like I need to press myself for that right now. You can start gathering the wrong kind of crowd around you by pressing into certain gifts and making a demand yourself so you can please people. So Joseph starts moving in the gift of administration because that's the gift that's demanded in Potiphar's house. God wanted to make sure Joseph was taken care of by his own abilities and he didn't have to go out in the street begging for bread. Isn't that what the psalm says? Your kids always have a job. Your kids always have. God is going to provide for them and not through begging and not through welfare. They'll be able to work, live by the work of their hands. You got me? You know, they need to cultivate that spirit of, you know, God's always, God's my provider. Amen. Number one, God is my provider. And he will always provide for me. He will provide and I'll be secure in what I'm doing. You know, sometimes people who are are able are insecure. And so God needs us. Sometimes it's not more abilities they need, but they need more security in God. And so Joseph then begins to develop in all of these areas while he is working for Potiphar as a slave. And also while he's incarcerated, as the brothers say. They used to say in the jail or in prison, I was incarcerated. Whatever. You in jail. I don't care what you call it. It ain't pretty. Huh? You ain't free. Joseph wants his freedom, though. And that's a good thing. Never, ever give up your freedom to anybody. Don't get yourself locked in. Get yourself hemmed in. And I'm not talking to married people. Y'all stop it. So... <laughs> Oh, that's my jubilee. Oh, yeah, no, that ain't for you. You're going to stay married. You promise that. <laughs> A vow is not imprisonment. Uh, you got yourself locked up. Well, God's just helping you keep your word. Huh? You said you want that right, Poppy? Say you want to be locked up with that brother? God said, okay, lock her up. <laughs> lock her up. <laughs> well, he's helping you to keep your word. You didn't want nobody else to get him. Huh? Okay. He's fine as wine. You know, the 32 ways when you get married, now it's 42. 
Walk by and pat it and keep on loving. That's right. Knock her up. (laughs) So here's Joseph in prison and he's innocent. How many people could endure that? How many could endure it? And Joseph did it because he was trying to obey God. Huh? His Hebrew came out in him that day. But he said, no, I remember what the word says. I'm not, like Job said, I cannot look upon a maid. Amen. I've made a covenant with my eyes. Not to be looking at nobody. Huh? <laughs> but Joseph, because he was raised in the Hebrew culture, knew that there was a year of Jubilee coming. And he looked forward. That's what gave him hope all those years he was there. <clears throat> that Jubilee we know is our salvation. So we need to find out what was restored to Joseph so we can understand what our salvation provides for. And I think that's the importance of these stories, that we really, really need to understand what it is that our salvation provides for us. So in, I think it's, yeah, uh, Genesis chapter 41. So what's provided for Joseph? We see Pharaoh having a dream two years after Joseph's gift of dream interpretation starts to develop again. He gets a dream for two men who are imprisoned and they both come to pass. The guy who got out got out scot-free and forgot about Joseph. Joseph had told him before he left, put in a good word for me. You work for Pharaoh. You know, sometimes you can get that close to your breakthrough. And it's not close enough to touch. You're just close. Amen. So God does that to encourage us. So Joseph was encouraged that, oh boy, this guy is, look, well, you, you work for Pharaoh? Now you're going to die. You ain't no help to me, but you're you going to live. You go. <laughs> Sorry about that, but, you know, ain't my word is God. But uh, the one of y'all that's going to live, go put in a good word for me when you get him. And so after two full years, the guy forgot him. So Pharaoh was standing by the Nile and got a dream that greatly disturbed him. And the Pharaoh, finally, the cupbearer, chapter verse 9, remembers. He said, you know, Pharaoh, I remember now. There was a kid in prison, and he interpreted a dream for us. And so Pharaoh says, you know what? Go down and get him. And verse 12 says, now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard, We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. Things turned out exactly as he told us. He said, I was restored to my position and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon when he had shaved and changed his clothes. He came before Pharaoh. Now this is from the the pit, as they say, to the palace in one day. Amen. But you can see it took Joseph a lot of years to get there. Amen. It looks like one day to a lot of people, but it's a lot of years. And that's how salvation happens with us. You don't just all of a sudden one day get saved. God been working on you for a long time. You understand? He's been grooming you. He's been showing you the truth. Them people that were Christians call themselves Christians that you didn't like and you didn't want to see them. Oh boy, here they come talking that God stuff. Now you kind of like seeing them come around, huh? You don't hate them so much anymore. 
And so God has to develop each of us in our inner man so that we can accept truth when we hear it and we don't go around refusing the invitation of God to come in for salvation. So God's timing in these things is impeccable. He's more waiting for us to come around than we're waiting for him to extend the invitation. And so when the invitation comes to Joseph, he quickly comes out. You know why? Because he's been trying to get out of there for a long time. Those of us, when we receive Christ, we come quickly to the altar. Amen? And we receive the Lord. Well, we should anyway. If we're doing it it, with knowledge, we should anyway. Some of us take the old-fashioned religious route. You know, you gotta you gotta forget some long stuff that you can get challenged on everything. But we all come in, don't we? We all come in by the blood. You don't get saved except you receive uh, through the blood of Jesus. And so Joseph uh, is able to come out in that one day. So by him shaving, and remember the last robe that he had that he really really admired. That was his dignity. Well, Pharaoh now puts another robe on him of higher dignity. Before he was daddy's favorite in the household, now he's the favorite of everybody in this nation. You got me? So never underestimate God's ability to increase you and prosper you and increase you in your dignity. Salvation should always make you feel better about yourself. It should elevate you in the eyes of your peers. If it doesn't elevate you, then you need to check how you view yourself. Because the problem is not in who you are and what God's done for you. It's in how you're looking at yourself. Sometimes your bad company is causing you to look at yourself in a negative light. Huh? You know, why is it Christians always trying to keep up with worldly people and look like the world? And Huh? Oh boy, here we go again. I'm going to say it anyway. You need, your outer needs to reflect the inner dignity that God has put in your life. You don't have to borrow the world's way of looking. You don't have to borrow their clothes. You don't have to borrow their nothing in order to have the dignity that God intended for you. Just go and be you. Amen. And be satisfied. Be happy. To change who you are in order to accommodate them sinners going to hell. If you don't straighten up and start talking to them and get them over in the fold, they will go to hell. Well, you got to make up your mind. You're not following them. God put, put you around them for them to follow you, not the other way around. So in one day, Joseph is restored to his dignity. 100%. He was restored to honor. He's standing before the highest person in the land. And that person wants him, not the other. He's not begging. He's not standing in front of Pharaoh begging for nothing. If he had had his way coming out of prison, he would have been. See what I'm saying? He would have been a part of Pharaoh's court. See, sometimes you just want to get in the door. God wants the door to open for you so you can stroll in. You understand what I'm saying? Don't ever look at yourself as second rate, second class, second anything. Huh? You're top notch. Huh? 
Because the Spirit of God, let him live more and you'll believe it. You understand? If you let God live more through you, you'll start believing who you are. We play him too cheap and play ourselves too cheap in him. God can put you in a place and turn that place totally around. He does, you see how he does it with you, the same people. You the same. You got the same God that Joseph has, the same God that Abraham has. You got the same God David has. You got the same God all of them have. The only thing that put them on the map was their God. And devotion to him. Quit sitting on the fence and trying to pretend like you're something other than what you are. Huh? Little unsaved friends look at you sometime and think you crazy. If I had a mama that prayed like that and I had parents that took me to church, I wouldn't be out here doing this and doing that. Huh? They didn't have the advantage. Now you out there with them trying to look like them. Stop it. Stop it. So Joseph restored the dignity, restored the honor. So he stood before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh wanted something from him. He was not begging. Genesis 41 verses 40 and 41. Let me see where that is. In verse 39. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, since God has made all this known to you, I don't know nobody around here that can think like this. I don't know, ain't no godly people. You see this bunch I got to deal with in here? Ain't nobody like you up in here. Huh? God is with you. You're confident in him. You're not trying to take credit for yourself. See, you spend enough time locked up somewhere, and all of that self-liking you is going to leave you real quick. You understand? You'll start learning what's really important in life. And it's not your so-called status, and it's not your coat of many colors, and you understand what it ain't your daddy and what he thinks about you. You can't stand your brothers. All of that will leave you quickly. It's where the rubber meets the road. It's where you're made into a person of character. Amen. <laughs> Joseph comes out of jail. He is a made man. Huh? What are you doing? This will make you better than the mafia will. Huh? You shall not be made when God gets done with you. Because he's grooming you for better things. He's getting the world out of us. Getting that taste for self-fame out. Getting that taste for... Huh? <laughs> Most of my married life was spent praying for my husband to be saved. You got me? We were both unsaved when I got saved. And that was my job. And I think God is probably wanting to put that in the hearts of more single people. That you might, you know, you're, you're, even though your person, your husband or wife is saved, and I'm not telling you, Mary, nobody unsaved. Don't get it twisted. You understand me? You find somebody's already in the fold. Because it's hell to pay with some saved people. Just saying. 
I mean, brothers ain't as holy as they act. <laughs> you mess up one time and you'll find out who they really are. Now that I got you real scared, I got your attention. So. Everybody, everybody racing everybody to the altar. I'm going to get married faster than you. I'm going to get married. Get on your pony and ride, sister. Get it up. Huh? I'm going to let you. Huh? I'm sure enough going to let you. Because I can't stop you. Yeah, make sure God's not just co-signing something you want. He's not a co-signer. He's the author and the finisher. Let me see where I'm at. Okay. So Joseph is restored. We said to dignity. He's restored to honor. And he's also got a job. Huh? He is employed now. Pharaoh tells him since, you know, nobody around here is like you. You know, you were the one that found God enough to get an answer for us, and you do it for us. Huh? God will always promote you according to your ability and your gift. Once a gift gets you in the door, can you please stay with that and don't try to pick up something that don't belong to you? You see, more people wrecking themselves. After a while, God gives them a gift. They're bored with it. I don't want to do this no more. I'm going to get promoted in a year. You don't know what's going to happen in a year. The Bible tells you don't be making no plans with that if you belong to God. Huh? And James tell you, don't be talking about in a year or so we're going to do this and we're going to. You don't know what God might have planned for you. You better learn how to hang loose. Huh? It's true. It's employed. And guess what? It ain't just a job. It's a position. Most of us don't even know what that is. Huh? Because, you know, your position comes through God. A job comes through man. Huh? Most of us got jobs. You know why? Because if man don't like us one day, we nervous. Huh? <laughs> if man says shutting down, we got. But when God hires you, you have a position. Now let me show you what a position is. Pharaoh said it. He said, "I'm Pharaoh." Huh? Spell that P H A I A O H. That means something around here. And he tells Joseph, listen to who I am. Once I say my name and tell you what comes after that, you can book it. You got me? You take that to the bank. And he says, nobody here is higher than I am. I do what I want to do. When I want to go where I want to go and do what I want to do. Huh? The Adam family. Hey, that's who he is. Do whatever he want to do. Huh? And he says, <laughs> he says here, 
since God has made you, verse 39, all is known to you. Nobody as smart as you are around here. So what that did was that put all the people who would plot to get Joseph out of his spot. He served notice on everybody, everybody. Huh? Everybody in the palace getting fired. Everybody in the palace getting fired. Huh? Because Joseph didn't have that assurance when he was in his father's house. Now, did he? So, God, this your year of Jubilee? See, to Joseph, a high position, that don't mean nothing to somebody who didn't get beat up and thrown out for dead because of his. Huh? That don't move him none. But when Pharaoh said, listen, listen to who's talking to you. I'm Pharaoh. I run stuff around here. Anybody, I, he said, don't you remember the guy you prophesied to down the jail and told him he's going to die? I killed him, didn't I? I do that to anybody around here that don't go with the program. So he gets the father's protection over his gift and his position. He said, you don't have to worry about no sibling rivalry around here. You don't have to worry about no haters wanting what you got. They ain't getting close to you. And I'm serving notice of them right here, right now. He says, and Pharaoh, he says, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Now that's a position. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from, now see, that's, that's bigger than somebody hiring you. The official seal means you, you're mia familia, huh? That's better than the mafia. You got me? That means that's a family thing. That means that Pharaoh says, I will protect you to the level I will protect my own children. You got me? So he gets a family seal on what he's doing. And he says here, he says, I will lift you. Uh, he, said, he said, I'm Pharaoh, but without your word, nobody will do anything. If a brother move and you don't give him permission, I'm killing him. Hello? See, when somebody delegates authority to you, make sure it's real authority. And it's not just somebody playing in your head, authority. You've got some seal to go along with it. And he says, nobody's going to lift up a hand or a foot in Egypt without your permission. Pharaoh gave Joseph a different name and made him, gave him a daughter. So he gets a new family, his own family, where he is the boss and he's not waiting on somebody to be mad at him or be nice to him. He can run things in his own family. Joseph was only 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. People say, oh, you're too young for that. Uh, excuse me? This is a position? Hello? Goodbye. Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced, and Joseph collected all the food. So he followed through on what was given to him. He says, before the years of famine came, in his year of productivity his year of increase, his year of blessing, God gave him two sons. He named the first one Manasseh. 
Why? Because he healed Joseph through that baby. You got me? God's, God's atoning blood that was shed before the foundation of the earth can take care of things before the time of Jesus. He called him Manasseh, which means God has made me to forget. So this was a real family he had. This was real. This was something God blessed him with. And so Joseph turns all those years that he was abused and he was uh, tortured and he was falsely accused. All of that suffering and sorrow, God erased it the way God decided to erase it. You got me? God blessed him with that son. And he said, God has made me to forget my trouble and all my father's household. I got a new family now. The second name, one he named Ephraim. He said, it's because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So God reversed all of that just in one move and in a two-year period of time. God was able to reverse all of that. That he is, Don't go around telling people about your bad childhood. And that's the reason for Please don't. Please don't. Because, see, I'll open Bible on y'all in a minute. Huh? That's my new weapon, see. used to sit up and listen to that stuff and say, huh? You know, and then you go check yourself to see if you got any ghosts hanging on you. You know what I'm saying? People make you crazy if you let it. But you got proof there in the word of God. You don't have to live out the family generational curse, all that kind of crazy stuff they talk about or what your parents didn't do for you and... They didn't give you four hugs every day. You only got two and a half. Because you didn't show up for the hug. It wasn't their problem. They wanted to hug you probably. Huh? And so God begins to restore. This is true jubilee. This is true salvation, folks. This is what God, he has died for us. We are entitled to everything and then well i didn't get all of joseph done we got more but we can't do it today but but joseph you'll see in his life 100 percent restoration 100 percent jubilee of god increase and then some joseph was not unique in his his experiences but these are the experiences that all believers go through every person on this earth will go through something similar that is leaves wounds and hurts all of those things. But God does not anticipate that we live that way forever because he's provided jubilee in Jesus Christ. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for allowing us to you today, Father.